That was a, that's a that's a good. We should talk about. Are we that. recording yet? Yeah. Yeah. Take I am a professional, Jay. One of us is a professional, and so I hit Dude, record. I parallel park with the trailer downtown Green Bay yesterday. This is not moving us towards starting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining, to me, uh, joining me, joining today, me. We're hey, off, to, we're off oh. to a fair bit start. Let's try it. Let's, let's three, retake. Three, three two, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Robert Otis Helene. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. I'm glad that you're here with us today. Yeah. Yep. We're glad. Hey, and if everyone's noticing... I hope everyone notices you are sitting in a different chair today. Ah, I bet I bet many of our listeners took yeah. note of that right away. So we've been doing this podcast for 15 years now. Roughly. Uh-huh. It's our anniversary, I think, this week. And in that time, you have Fuzzy always math. insisted on sitting in the squeakiest chair ever. And if people don't realize, because it's hard to see over the podcast, but Robbie will, will when he gets into something, he just shifts slightly. Just a little slight turn, and his chair would squeak every time, which drives me crazy, mm-hmm. and is and probably drives you crazy too, listeners. Mm. Almost certainly, I, we we get dozens of emails every week about the squeakiness of the chair. Yeah, and so today, finally, I which come Jay in. decides to communicate to me like a week and a half ago after doing this False. for all of these previous twenty-two well, you know, years. I'm pretty non-confrontational. So I don't like to bring things up. That is your reputation. Um, and so you, yeah. So you finally, I come in and you're sitting at this goofy little stool at your desk. Oh, now my chair's goofy. First it's squeaky, oh, now it's goofy. Yeah, that's goofy, but nobody notices the goofiness of it. And, yeah. and then I realized that you said, oh, it's because it was squeaking. The chair was squeaking. So good job. Now I can, now I can swivel. Yeah. You can swivel. Squeak and free. Here. Yeah. He's swiveling right now. He is doing the swivel and... You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Nobody would know. Nope. Because nope. there's no squeak. Nope. Hey, you just got back from Africa. I did. Do you want to say Get anything back about from that? Africa. That it feels was, like a podcasty thing. It was a phenomenal trip. It was so good. It was so good. And where in Africa were you? We were in West Africa, in Liberia, to be specific. Uh, and we spent a week there teaching um, Bible college students how to study and teach the gospels so we walked through the gospel of mark and taught them how to how to study that how to how to understand what the author is saying and then how to teach other people how to understand scripture so it was super fruitful and really encouraging and really awesome to see what god is doing in his church on the other side of the world and just remembering when he says every tongue tribe and nation that what he actually meant by that was every tongue tribe and nation and so it's always a joy to get to worship with our brothers and sisters elsewhere in the world and and just to see that he's moving there like he's building his church and he's doing his thing and it's just awesome awesome to see and you you were teaching through a translator weren't you no oh you didn't no translator no they speak you they speak english lucky you because i i'm going i get to go to south africa here in a couple of weeks um to do a similar thing and they um we will be working through a translator and, okay which is super discouraging for me because all of the 
all the things that they tell you don't do with when you're speaking through a translator are all of my go-to things. All the things that you yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole list is don't be Jay. Don't, don't be Jay, just, which is super discouraging. You, like you, smiling with a thumbs up. Don't be this guy. Yeah. Don't be this guy. Cause it's like, don't use humor. Cause it won't translate. Yeah. Don't do self-deprecating humor. Um, like which should be encompassed in humor, but it's so important. Don't also don't <laughs> really don't use humor. You need to be efficient with your words. <laughs> you can't go. You need to stick really to like a script and to, and yeah. be, uh, clearly communicate your thoughts in as few words possible. And these are just all the things that I am really bad at. So. And sometimes, sometimes that can that can play to your advantage. There, there is a certain population of India that thinks that I am brilliant and hilarious. Really, largely due to my translator. So I had <clears throat> I was teaching at a pastors' conference there, and I would I would speak for you know two sentences, and then my translator would speak for like five straight minutes, and and like everyone's taking like crazy notes and like all of a sudden everyone would like burst out in raucous laughter and like the <laughs> whole deal. And, and after like 20 minutes of this, we're like, I'd say like, you know, turn to chapter three and then he'd, he'd speak for six minutes. Uh, I was like, I, I'm pretty certain that you're saying more than I'm saying. And he just turned like to me and goes, keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So I love good. the idea of being a translator and using that as your opportunity to say all the things you've always wanted to say, but you don't have the, the platform to do it. And so you're just using this guy. You're like, turn to chapter three. And another thing, Steve, stop being a jerk. <laughs> How did he know How I was being a jerk? I don't yeah, know. That's what he said. No, I mean, this, uh, this was the equivalent of like some guy from, you know, I don't know, Antarctica shows up here and like Billy Graham is his translator like I, I get this pastor okay. who is uh who's an incredible pastor an incredible teacher an incredible evangelist and he's my translator so uh, it was pretty awesome i knew he was definitely improving every single everything thing that i was saying what now liberians what? unfortunately got like just straight robbed. They, they were just stuck with just me yeah that is unfortunate um the the he said of all the places to say some guy from you do yeah. realize no one lives yeah. So, you know, if a penguin were to come here on an evangelistic <laughs> or a tour, or scientist who has been stationed over there, like that's a very odd place to Yeah. Okay. That was intentional. Okay. Anyway, well, it is interesting that you were teaching about the gospels because even though we're going through Acts, we're obviously dealing a lot with the gospels, but um this Sunday I really was uh trying to drive home the the point of that we we follow Jesus and that that is what yeah, Paul ends up refuting um the philosophies like the the most influential and um popular philosophies of the day of the mm. non-jewish world um uh, he refutes it with a with a who and not a what so i think that so we we, we were pre-record we were we were talking a little bit about the sermon and we were addressing the reality that this, what you taught on Sunday was not a new idea. Like we've been we've no. been talking about that a lot, but I I don't know that you have said it that concisely before. That idea of just it's well, certainly not, not a who it, or not a what it's a who, and I think something about that just struck me, um, especially when you when you 
made the statement that, and this isn't going to be hyperbolic at all, but basically everything that's wrong with anything everywhere is because we focus on a on a what rather than a who. Um, did I get you? I almost got that, you. With that. Well, yeah. Um, it was slightly hyperbolic, but only slightly. But the point the point is legit. Like within within the Christian world, uh, I think I think that is a valid claim to say that the the first thing that goes wrong is when it stops being about ultimately Jesus and starts becoming about either doctrine or methodology or all all the other things that it can be about that's not Jesus. And I just thought that was so so helpful to put it in such a concise way of are we focusing on the what or are we focusing on the who right now well and even when like so when you think about the greatest heresies um in church history or the biggest heresies they're always about distorting the who like it's it's right. always about it's almost always comes back to the trinity right and and who who is jesus who is this Jesus? Is he God? Is he not? Is he part? Is he like all of those things? And I think so when you realize like that's how critical the who is the church has held together through all kinds of disagreements about the what's of the faith, like how we are to live or how even, even things like, um, differing, I mean, differing views of end times, differing views of baptism, differing views of, um, you know, all, it was just all kinds of what's, but the thing that has always divided, if the church is going to divide, it is, it is always around the who. Yeah. And then now it is like, it is a distraction. Like when the church divides itself over those things, they are forgetting the who. So it, we, right. we, every angle you take at it, you're saying like the who is the main thing. Right. So if you're going to call someone a heretic, in church history, it's because they're messing up the who. And if the church is going to, um, I mean, if legitimately, if you're going to legitimately call somebody, I mean, we call people heretics for all kinds of wrong. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying historically what we would look back in hindsight and say, that was heresy. It's going to be about the who. And then, um, but what causes division today is the fact that we get distracted from that. We, and that's where we get into things like, for example, you think, like we tend to think somebody, if somebody holds a high percentage of what's in line with us, but not the who, we tend to think we have more in common with them. Like we, so, so that causes all problems. Like we, we, do we draw these lines around this what? And so rather than saying, Hey, the people I have most in common with are the people who are pursuing Jesus, that they belong to Jesus and they're pursuing him and following him we may disagree on like what that should look like or some of the what's in that. But if you're pursuing the same person, like then you're, you're going to, those are the people you have the most in common with, but we don't function that way. No, we don't. No, we don't. And this isn't, this isn't, like you said, uh, in terms of heresies and whatnot, this certainly is not a new idea. This is a, this has been the issue since Christ's ascension is trying to, trying to wrestle with what is the most important thing I found this morning I was going through some uh, some of my old note cards of quotes when I read something that I find impactful. I write them on little note cards, and I found two in particular that I thought were super relevant, one from the 1960s and one mm-hmm. from the early 1400s, because I think old stuff is awesome. Um, so you ready You ready for them? Yeah. Okay, so here's one. I have one. not heard these. No, no. You're, they're hitting you fresh. Ready? 
It is not a matter of guiding our life and conduct by finding a particular verse or phrase. What is important is that we should really understand to the limit of our ability what sort of person Jesus was, what were his methods, and what were his aims. Love it. Right? Yeah. Right? I so should have used that. You should have found those the, before. Uh, so. I know. Um, and that idea you, of it's not about the what. It's not about finding these certain phrases or doctrines and then building everything. And then it's right. on, on to the... I, I just And I love that idea. Really understand to the limit of our ability like who Jesus is as a person, what he did, and what were his ways of doing things. I, just, I, I love that. And then... Uh, and then zoom back another 500 years and we get whosoever would fully and feelingly understand the words of Christ must endeavor to conform his life wholly to the life of Christ. This powerful uh, statement of like the, the what yeah. is never going to help you arrive ultimately mm-hmm. at Christ. It is only in being conformed to the image of Christ, living the way Christ lived, um, that is what we're what we're aiming for. So I just I, I loved. I was encouraged reading those this morning. Going, yeah. man, you're not you're not bringing up something new or novel, man. Like you are, you are encouraging us with the words that saints for the last two thousand years have been encouraging one another with. That this is, if we're not patterning ourselves after Jesus, we're doing it wrong. If we're 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 confused. Right. Um, if we if we are putting something over over Jesus' words and over Jesus' commands, if we think truth is something that is distinct from Jesus, if we think that the right way to be a Christian is is different than the way Jesus lived, then then we're off track. What I love about that is, yeah, those are separated by five hundred years, right? And then you're going all the way back to obviously the epistles, right? And they, and, and the Gospels, I mean, Jesus says, we've quoted multiple times in the last several weeks, you and I both love quoting the, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will find right. life, but it is they that they point to me, like you're right. missing, you're right. missing me. And I think, um, but I think what that tells us is that this is always a problem. Yes. This is always our bent. So we talk, we, we talk a lot about other People have talked about, we, you don't drift towards holiness. Like our, our hearts drift away from God naturally. The current of the brokenness of the world as it drifts us away. Like we right. need to, we're basically kind of swimming upstream, even though he has us. And theologically, from a big picture point of view, we're not actually drifting away from him in, in that sense. But in another very real sense, like our, our flesh is constantly pulled in this other direction. Well, that same current always makes us want to go to the what and and mm-hmm. i think like the big reason and i i pointed that in the sermon but i don't know i don't know how clearly it came across because it's just the the reason i think that that happens is because it's just a what is always easier for us to control certainly like we can define the what we can dictate the what and then what we end up doing is we kind of create our own like we create our own test it's like writing it's it's like you getting to write the test that you're going to take you're obviously going to put the things on there that you that you understand the best those are the things that make the most sense those are the things you think are the most important and so when people 
we see this all the time where people say, you know, what really matters. And then they'll say one of the things that scripture talks about, like, yeah. whether it's caring for the poor or, or, you know, um, you know, serving people or, um, or financial responsibility or whatever, you name mm-hmm. it. And, um, and we will always emphasize the things that matter most to us, make the most sense to us, um, that we see as like the keys to the world being the way it should be. Right. And we don't realize that even though those things can be biblical, that doesn't mean that the whole of my understanding or philosophy is actually a biblical mm. philosophy. Yeah, so good. the, so the sum of all those things doesn't actually mean I'm, I'm following Jesus just because I have a biblical view of, of different things. And so if you, that like we just drift towards that and Jesus can't, we can't control him. We can't dictate to him. We can't, we can't like ignore and say like, you know what? I just don't, I don't really want to think about how I'm supposed to handle my money. Like I'd rather think about these other things because those things I'm passionate about. I think those are the most important. Well, then what happens when Jesus actually confronts you and the Holy spirit confronts you about, about money? Right. I mean, you, you can't turn away from that. But the what you can, you can, you can kind of move the line a little bit over here and over there and say, well, as long as I'm doing this and we just, again, we create our own philosophy, our own law. And, and then we, we judge others based on how they fulfill my law. Yeah. It just gets really weird. And I, I, yeah, it's not new me saying that. I just always feel like when I say it, I feel like it just never quite comes out the way that it it's rolling around in my head. And I just think, um, that could just be me. Dead I think air. it's awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Holy Strategically cow. timed dead air. I uh, love dude. awkward silences when yeah. I'm face to face with people, not over audio <laughs> things. Like everyone's just like, that's my that's my favorite bit. Yeah, your favorite bit my is favorite awkward bit silences is the, is the, the dead air. Yeah, yeah. So I think I don't know. Do you feel like? Do you, do you agree with that? Like there are, are drifting. Do you see that? Do you, I don't know if you, you always have a better way of, I'll, I'll, I'll talk for like five minutes and then in 12 seconds you say, you're like the reverse of that translator. Am I? Yeah. I, you translate like, <laughs> I know he just went on for like five minutes, but this is what he's saying. What he means is you should follow Jesus. Right. No, I, certainly. I mean the, the, because I need to see things in images the image i always have is we're 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 in the stream right and the and the the flow of the stream is always pulling us toward self right it's pulling us back to my flesh back to my own uh you know distorted ideas and disordered desires and all those things that are that are out of place and and unless i am putting in the effort to to walk upstream to kind of fight my way upstream like if i just kind of lift up my legs and drift i'm going to pull downstream and and sin just works that way yeah. so i'm never going to just naturally float toward christ like that's why paul says i i put in every effort to reach out and take hold of that for which christ has already taken hold of me so as you pointed out i'm not drifting away from from my justification, like that's secured, but, but I will, like I'm drifting away from fullness of life, 
from fullness of Christ, from contentment in him, from abundant life, from freedom from anxiety, from all, all of the things that Christ actually promises in this life, right. I am drifting away from when I am not putting in my own grace-driven effort to move toward those things. So I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree completely. And I think, and I think that's part of a significant aspect of, of why we find ourselves often where we do, why we feel like, oh man, God feels so far from me. Like those are typically not in moments where I just spent the last six months like actively daily pursuing him and serving others in his name. Like it's typically that's happening in moments where I have allowed the distractions of life and problems and stress and all of those things to cloud my vision, to distract me from, um, from truly seeking Christ to the point where, man, maybe I'm, maybe I am still doing my daily Bible reading, but my heart is so far from that. I'm just looking at words on a page and checking off the box to do the reading. So I'm, I'm performing the actions, but this isn't about just performing actions. It's about pursuing a person. And, and, and when I'm forgetting that, then I'm, then I should not be surprised when I feel distant from that person. No. And, and you're pointing out something key here because I, I, I can understand and I could hear somebody saying like, well, then are we saying that none of the what's matter? And that's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is all of those what's matter because they flow from the who. Right. So the what by itself detached from Jesus does not have any value. Uh, You know, I'll give I gave the example of turning the other cheek, but also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not worry. So you can, there are humanistic ways to not worry. You can. The Stoics loved that. Right. Yeah, you like can, they love coming up with ways to not worry right. based on willpower and yeah, which typically right. ended in apathy, right? right? Like, I mean, you just so the best way to not worry about losing this thing is to not care about this thing, right? Or to um, or other people might say the best way to not to deal with worry, so you don't worry about your retirement, is to make sure you plan really well, right? Or I'm not saying don't plan for that. And I'm not saying to be attached to things. What I'm saying is that the key of do not worry, what Jesus says is the key to not worrying is trusting the who. Yes. That's the key to that. And so we aren't going through, and I've used this example before, I think, but people used to credit me with um, having faith and not worrying because I didn't worry about money. And and so they'd be like, man, I just wish I, I wish I had that faith. Like, I just love that you don't, you don't worry about that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't worry about that stuff because I'm irresponsible. <laughs> like, sucks I'm not thinking about it. Right. right. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I'm like a stoic when it comes to that. I, I'm apathetic towards it. Right. So I don't worry about it because I be for two reasons. One, I'm, I'm kind of apathetic towards it. And two, I'm kind of, I think like, well, whatever happens, I can figure it out. Well, neither one of those is the faith that Jesus is talking about in Sermon on the Mount. Right. The faith that it's, it's the person who the, the greatest faith comes with the person who naturally is inclined to worry about those things, but doesn't because they trust Jesus. <laughs> they don't know yeah. how this is going to play out. They may yeah. not know. They may think like, okay, this all could come crashing down. That would really stink. I like, you know, I, I don't want to lose these things. Um, or like with health, like the key, you know, the humanistic way of not worrying about your health is not to be attached to your life, to be like, well, 
you're here today, gone tomorrow, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's not a fatalistic approach. It's saying, no, I do value my life here on earth. I value yeah. your life here on earth. I think all of these lives matter. And you, like, I'm, I, the reason why I don't worry, though, when my when my son goes and drives, now he's driving, and he drives to wherever, to a football game or something, what, what keeps me from worrying is not that I'm detached not right. that I don't care if he right. comes back safely. Um, it's that I trust God. Yeah. And I and it is an active trusting. It is like when the cringe, like when he's not home on time and all of a sudden like that cringe comes up of like, what if something happened? Mm. What calms me is not the statistical insignificance that, that something actually did happen. Right. Um, not the confidence that you trained him adequately in right. how to operate a... Right. Which I did do, like I did all those things, but my ultimate confidence, the ultimate reason at the end of the moment of, of worry, what allows me to go back to sleep is I trust Jesus. Right. Right. That is what he's talking about of, of do not worry. When we talk about, you know, forgiving, loving your enemies, it is not figuring out, finding something good in them. Like, I, I remember this being a thing where I, I heard it in a church of like, well, one of the ways you can love your enemies is hear their story. That's tr- like great. Seek understanding for sure. Yes. Some people, you can hear their entire story and you still are like, you're evil. Yes. Like everything right. you're doing that is just evil. affirms. It just affirms that you're, you're, you're evil. kind of a monster. Yeah. Right. Like, so if you could go back in time and sit down with Hitler and like understand, like, you're not going to get to right. a place where you're like, oh, okay, well, now I understand. Right. You know, I, I hated him before, but now right. I, I understand where he's coming Through from. Through story and reason, right. I have come to the conclusion that I don't have to really, think he's evil. Right. right. Yeah. And no, that's, that's, a, that's irrational. That's ira- It right. is irrational. And so, it, yes, is it helpful to hear people's stories that help you love somebody better? Is that a, is that a good thing to do? Yes, 100%. But the what of loving your enemies can only really be done in the who of Jesus. That's right. It is only when we love him, love others as he has loved us and understand our stance as enemies of the cross um, and what we were and what Jesus did for us. And then to also trust him as judge, like he's yeah. going to make all those yeah. things right. And um, so I hope that makes sense of like all the what's that we think are important are only valuable Um to the extent that they are flowing out of, out of him and out of who. And, and which again, just, oh, yeah. no, finish well, no, I was just going to say the disclaimer is I'm not saying like, okay, so are you saying that honesty has no value? So a non-Christian being honest in his business practices has no value that here on earth, those things do have value, common grace, the image of God, like all these different things, like, yes, that those things have value and they can be good. What I'm saying is as a Christian, you're you're not you're not laying hold to the abundant life that Christ has offered right. you. You are doing what Jesus said. Like, man, what if you love those who love you? What credit is that to you? Even the yeah. Gentiles do that. Like, yeah, of course. Like, anybody, you know, can do these different things, and that can benefit the, um, you know, anybody can be brave and run into a burning building and rescue. That's benefits the society. Like not all of our police officers are Christians. Not all of our firefighters are Christians. Not all of our doctors are Christians and they do incredible work like every day um, that benefits society. But that's not what we're talking about here. And is not conforming that person into the image of Christ. It is not conforming that person. No. Yeah. 
Exactly. That, right. So even though they're reflecting the image of their creator, they are not being conformed into the image of Christ in that because the, the, because of the lack of the Holy Spirit in that. I think, man, I think that's really, I think that's really important. And I think it's important to uh, uh, connect this back to like this aspect, what we're talking about right now is, is not one of many interpretations of scripture, I would argue, because this is, this is what Jesus is literally saying in Matthew when, when those that he puts to his left and he says, away from me and their responses, but we did this and we did this and we did that. And Jesus response to them is what? I, I don't know you, right? I never knew you. So there is, and, and all the things that they're listing off are things that you go, oh, wow, those are really spiritual activities that they were doing. But Jesus himself says, yeah, you, you fixated on the what and you missed me in all of it. I have no relationship with you because you were not actually pursuing me in those things. And, and so it's, it's Jesus who is reminding us in that call to the, to the Pharisees and, and that, that exhortation that scripture is as valuable as it is pointing you to me. Otherwise, it could actually inadvertently lead you astray if you're misusing right. it. The same is true of all those activities, which are good and valuable and necessary in cultivating our relationship with Christ. But if we remove Christ, they are then they become of no eternal value. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think so. I you just said the like using that passage that was something that cut so we talked used to talk about like what ended up on the cutting room floor yeah it was a kind of a side branch of that passage where jesus says depart from me i never knew you realizing that we often think of the judgment day and like what's what's the question that's going to be asked you know and and so there are people who think like well you're you're going to be saying you know was i a good person or not and Mm -hmm. then other people would say Mm -hmm. no it's it's who do i say jesus is but the question, it's it, so I was thinking about this. It's not just like what the question is; it's who actually is being asked. So at the judgment day, mm-hmm. the question that's being asked is, "Does Jesus know you?" And who is being asked is Jesus. Like I'm not, mm. I'm not getting to the judgment day and being like, "Oh, that's Jesus, my Lord and Savior." Like it's Jesus looking at me and saying, "That's Jay. Yeah. I know him." Yeah. And, and so like, we're Mm. actually like in the judgment Mm. day, we are, we're like the, the person on trial that doesn't get to testify. You know, like you see those, like I've got my whole folder of all my evidence and like, it doesn't even make it into the courtroom. You don't get to take that in. Right. It's like when, you know, you see those movies where the defense attorney is like, no, I'm not letting you take the stand. I mean, the reality is, it's like, you don't want to take that interview. No, that's only no. going to work against right. you if yeah. you bring which your stack what, of which evidence. Which is what they always say. Like, right. the reason they don't let the person testify is because, like, nothing good comes of right. you testifying. And that's the the way that this, I, I think that that, um, I don't know. I just was thinking about that yeah. in the in the That's a powerful that, image. Like, um, that he's the one being asked. And so the question is, does he know you? Which then puts it in, like, he defines that. I don't get to define that. Right. I don't get to just say like, well, I said the right words about you. Which is why I'm terrified of the who and I want to revert back to the what because right. the what is really easy yes. to determine who's in, who's out. Am I good? Are you bad? Right. Like Because it's just, it's this checklist of, am I checking all the right boxes? Do I hold precisely the, the, the correct, precise uh, 
understanding of of redemption or right. whatever you know fill in the blank doctrine and if i do if i have all of these what's checked then i know and i can have confidence that i'm good and you're good and that person is not and that those lines are really clear but if it's up to i mean it's up to jesus yeah he decides am i following him am i resting in him am i trusting in right. him alone uh because he's the one who is who is determining this uh like that that suddenly makes the the who aspect feel much more tangible and much more important right critically important which is why so then you think about okay so that right there is what we're talking about when we say when you approach scripture this incredible gift that we have from god you're approaching it to know him all of a sudden that makes a lot more sense when you're saying okay well if the whole thing is i need to know him and follow him and he needs to know me like i need to like then i read the bible to know him not not to make sure that i have more of the what's in line those will flow out of, I mean, when, when Jesus says all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things of love God and love your neighbor as yourself, like he's not, he's not speaking in hyperbole. Like they literally, mm. that is the flow. Yeah. So we talk about our flow is, is to go away from God and to go towards the what, because we can ma- manage it and measure it um, and feel good about ourselves at the end. Like we sleep better because we've deemed ourselves, we've justified ourselves um, the flow of of loving God and starting with the who is that all the what's kind of, I mean, they take care of themselves. So, and I think that's important. Now, I do think, I do want to spend, I don't know how much time we have left, how much time you're going to let us have. Um, but I do want to at least touch on the apologetic side of this because I, okay. I have so many people who say like, well, I have this friend who, and we are seeing this more and more. So I have this friend who's not a Christian and I, like they're asking me all these questions and I'm trying to figure out how do I respond or I have this friend who's questioning their faith. Um, and so I, I, I don't have the answers to these questions. Um, I want to say that this all matters for that. And that is the context that Paul is in. Yeah. And to be reminded that even Paul, arguably the greatest evangelist of all time in the midst of the toughest, like thinkers and people who could question him of all time, and he goes to the who right and says this is who this is the one who created all of this he became flesh and then was killed and then rose from the dead and that's his that's his message and yeah. so I, I do want to give that encouragement as people ask about all kinds of what's and right now in our yeah. culture like nothing's off limit like all the things that we assumed you know, when we talk about like this being a Christian influenced nation, because we're at the very minimum that there are a lot of things that we didn't have to, a lot of the what's that we just kind of held in common in our culture, whether we yeah. believe that those flowed from God or not. And fewer, like more and more of those are fallen by the wayside. Right. And so you find yourself, what happens then is we have, we get stuck in these conversations about these, all these different what's, but I just want to encourage people that the best thing that you can always do is, is be understanding about the what um, and, but move. You're yeah. always trying to move it back to right. A who, right? Because that's ultimately, that's the only thing that matters. So whether it's whatever somebody is dealing with and whatever yes. issue is out there, um, moving it towards the who is, is, is critical. 
I agree because I can answer all the other questions. Like even if, even if we give everybody the cheat sheet of here's the response to the problems with Christian history and here's the response to this particular methodology and here's the problem with, you know, the answer to the, you know, our, our embarrassing historical response to fill in the blank or, you know, whatever that is or this, you know, obscure question from the Bible. I can answer all of those things and that's not going to ultimately change anything for that person because the problem is they don't trust Jesus right. or they don't understand who he is. If we start with, if we start with Jesus and if I, if, if we can get, move the conversation to the who, then, then we actually have something substantive because to, if I understand who Jesus is, then I'm a lot less concerned about that obscure old Testament verse that I don't understand. Like I've got plenty of those. There's plenty right. of verses in Scripture that sure. that have a question mark next to it in my Bible. Yeah. And what on earth? Like, what do I do with this? Right. And my my hope, my trust, is not because I discovered through reason and study a, an answer or an explanation for that that makes perfect sense. It's because I go, I trust Jesus, and if He says this is good, then this is good. Yeah. And I don't see how it's good yet, but. Maybe he'll reveal that to me because I believe he is trustworthy. And so the, the problem is not and the, all of the what's right. that, that we throw out there. The problem is if you understand who Jesus is, that changes all of these other things. Like then all of a sudden I have a better perspective on this aspect of history and can, and can go, okay, so what, based on what we know about Jesus, what do you think he would say about that? And for some things it's going to be, I think he actually would say that was okay, even though in this culture that seems like it's not okay. And for some time, sometimes the answer is going to be, I think he would be horrified by that. We can go, yeah. yes, the church's response to that probably was totally horrifying to Jesus. But my hope in that moment is in Jesus, in his character, in his life, death, and resurrection, not in can I have the right answer to this cultural problem or this historical embarrassment or this... Mm-hmm. confusing aspect of scripture that's that's never actually what the problem is no one is no one is in that moment going but jesus you know i wasn't able to explain that verse in numbers so i mean come on like, right give me some like that's not ever the issue the issue is i don't believe that you are who you say you are and i don't and, surrender to you well and that's what i was trying to make the point of when i talked about giving up control and saying like none of us like to give up control Oh. Unless we realize we're in over our heads, and right, and then it's the question: oh, those of, are do, great I, illustrations. do I trust the person? Yeah. So if if I'm in a plane, and there's a bunch of turbulence, and like all of a sudden now the the pilot has a heart attack, like we can have all kinds of philosophies of how to fly the plane, but at the end of the day, I'm not looking for which answer makes the most sense. I'm looking right. for so some guy steps forward and says like, well, I, I was a uh, you know. I was, I'm Maverick (laughs) from, I teach at Top Gun, whatever. (laughs) And then I'm going to say like, okay, that dude, yeah, whatever his opinion is on this, whatever he thinks we need to do, like that guy, put him in the seat, put him in the seat and I, and, and I'm good. Same way with like a medical emergency. What do we do when someone has a medical emergency out in public? They ask like, is anyone a doctor? And if someone steps forward and says, I'm an, I'm an emergency room physician, right? Well, now all of a then sudden, everyone else takes a step back right. to let that person do what they need to do. And if that guy asks for right. a plastic knife, you give it to him, right. you know, or her. Like you give it, you don't. And that's that's the thing that I was trying to come back to is if Jesus rose from the dead. Well, now, like 
that guy. I'm trusting him. And and if if something doesn't make sense, I'm going to go ahead and assume that's on me. Hmm. So just like if that pilot gets in the seat, I'm like, it doesn't feel, that feels weird that we're do- going this way. Like, well, I'm going to assume right. that I'm the one that doesn't understand what the situation is. I feel that way about like, um, here, here's a fun, this, this, this will really hit home to people in, in Northeast Wisconsin. But the first time I flew out of Orange County, so Robbie and I lived in, uh, or both lived in Orange County. That's where we met yeah. California, not Florida. I guess there's that one mm-hmm. too, but Orange County, California. And when you fly out of the Orange County airport, regardless of what direction you are going, you go high and fast yeah. and out and over you, the ocean. If you have a kind pilot, they will warn you before yes. takeoff. They will say, we have to gain altitude very quickly yes. to not you know, smash into the buildings and whatnot and be too loud to the neighborhood that we're literally in the middle of. And so they'll, they'll warn you. And even with that warning, you feel like, you're doing the climb on a roller coaster yeah. all of a sudden. And the first time I flew out of there, they did not warn us or I didn't pay attention. Oh, wow. I may not have been listening. Okay. But not only Nobody do they climb, the but they climb west out over the ocean. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm planning on flying east. <laughs> right. So I'm not planning on being out over right. the ocean. And all of a sudden we take off and we like. You're like straight like up and s- sideways. Yeah. Right. It's like a space shuttle. <laughs> And we're going out over the ocean, and I'm thinking, <laughs> now the only question in my mind at that point, though, is do I trust the pilot? Right. If the pilot is hijacked the plane, well, I don't trust him or her, and right. so now I'm afraid. But if I trust the pilot, and I can see the pilot's like, we're good, then I'm like, okay, I do not understand why we were flying out over the ocean. This is right. quite unsettling, but I trust them. And and so that's why we have to turn back. <laughs> now, I do think like with that, and that was the point I was trying to make by, you know, you were laughing at me bringing in Pascal. Um, we, we don't quote Blaise Pascal a lot. Not um, nearly enough, in my opinion. Not nearly enough. Um, he's a math guy. Also like, not nearly lose. enough David Foster Wallace. Right, David Foster Wallace. <laughs> yeah, leave it to me we to pull much more of that. Um, but I just think it's such an important thing. Like his, that that paradigm I've always found super helpful of like, let it, like as you're sharing the faith with people or as you're asking questions, like start with like, just make it reasonable. And then you're not making it something it's not, but you're revealing it to be reasonable. And the best way to do that is through mutual respect of realizing like whoever you're talking to, like, Hey, you and I, we don't have our best guesses are so limited. Right. And so we're, yeah, we're both, everybody's trying to make sense of the world and we can have some compassion and understanding that, that we all like all of our best guesses are going to be um, are gonna are gonna fall short, right? Because we are hilariously limited. Right. Our reason is absurdly hilariously limited. Right. And so you take something really simple like creation of the world. Like, can you, like was it the Big Bang theory? Was it like whatever the different things are? You know, or did God create? And I think that's part of the reason. Like when we become so combative, it's one of the reasons why people like want to blacklist anyone that believes in intelligent design. But the mm-hmm. reality is that all of the man-made thoughts of how the world began are comic. Yeah, they're comically insufficient, right? Because none of us were there, and we don't know anyone who's there, and we have no records of any of that. There's no way to know, and so you're you're filling in blanks that span over this this you know, imagine this massive amount of time. And, and so like, if we can start there of like just saying, Hey, the idea that 
this was all created is actually a, a reasonable thing. And a lot of people actually right. believe that like that's, that's as reasonable as anything else. You're what you're doing is you're getting on some common ground with people to say, because what you're doing is removing yourself as the authority. That's critical because if you're, if you're talking with somebody and they kind of think like, this is what happened. As long as they think they're comparing what they think happened to like what you think happened, what you're actually doing is you're basically trying to convince them that you're smarter than they are, right. which you may not be. Right. So you, may not be. you very well may not be. I've been in many debates, like apologetics type debates with people that I'm like, they are smarter than I am. So, yeah. you know, have I don't read have that much advantage. more and are ready right. for all of these, all of, all the, of my like, comments. Yeah. And so, which is why side note, I hate it when we make Christian movies that just make, make the non-Christian look like the, evil buffoon who just right. can't see what's right plain in front of them. I'm like, let's have some honesty about that and say, yeah, this is, there's a lot of mystery right. here. But once you get to that, then moving towards the, like make them want, like want to believe it, like show them how it's good news, show them how, like, you know, it's even more important than how all of this was created. It's who created it. Yeah. And yeah. it's pretty amazing that we actually you know, that this is how the Bible explains that this happened. And this is why this is good news um, because this is who God is like then. And then I have done that many times where I've asked somebody like, if this were true, what would you think? Yeah. Like get them to suspend. They don't have to make a conclusion about that, but right. just say like, if it were true that there's a God who created all this and he is good and he demonstrates his love for his creation and that Jesus Christ comes and becomes flesh and this is what he looks like in the flesh. Right. And then this is what he did for us. Like if that were true, like what would you think? Yeah. And I've never once had anybody say like, if I just kind of lay that out and say like, just like, I'm not asking you to agree with it, but what right. would you think if it were true? Um, I've never had anybody go, well, that sounds terrible. Right. That guy sounds evil. Right. Like, no, now, if you ask about why is there cancer in the world and like all that stuff, you start going down those roads, then you then people are asking like, well, how can a good God allow all these things? And I, and I get yeah. those are mysterious, mysterious questions. Right. But if you get it back to the cross and say, well, what do you think about this God who did this? Um, that's a Now they're like, well, man, I kind of, that's kind of amazing. And maybe I want that you know. to be true. Then, then that's when you can go to uh well, and we actually like Jesus rose from the dead. Like we, believe this to be true and here's the evidence for that or whatever um that doesn't like it's still the holy spirit that has to do all of this right right so right. at the end of the day you're not convincing anybody like this is not the three-step plan to convince everybody paul uh, like i dare say that none of us will do that as masterfully as paul did right and it ended with many people mocking him yes and in fact yeah. you don't even see people converting in that moment no. The two reactions no. are some mocked him and others said, we want to hear more. We would like to listen some more. Yep. And then we see some people come to yeah. faith and, and praise God for that. But it's not in our control. Um, but I, I just hope that that, I just, I'm hoping that gives a little bit of encouragement because I've, I've just talked to a lot of people who've been dealing with this and that fear and that feeling of, I've got to know all the answers about all the what's right. And you don't. Nobody has all the answers no. to all the what's and the answers to the what's are not actually what we're looking for. Exactly. We need, and I mean, aside from the fact that the answer to all those what's is the who, um, 
And, and, but for me to be able to respond in that way to those questions, I need to be delighting in the who I need to be dependent on the who I need to be uh, pursuing intimacy with the who so that, so that I'm able to respond with, you know, it's more important than that because Jesus is more important than that to me. Like I, I know that he is more important. I acknowledge, I feel that he is more important than those things. And so that then is my natural response to, you know, you know, you know, it's a better question. Like who, like who is this Jesus and, and, and how does that relate to what, what it is that we're talking about? And, and when I have drifted away from that, when all I am is fixed, when all I am fixated on is, are those what's then, then I'm not even in a position where I'm able to respond because even to me, Jesus is not actually more important. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to cultivate that intimacy so that I actually feel that when it doesn't just become, oh, well, this is the right answer. The right answer to the, to that thing is, oh, I should then point them to this who, well, I'm just making Jesus a what then? Right, it's true. <laughs> like, so I'm not, like, I need to yeah. actually believe that and, and, and be, like, I need to be living in that. I need to feel that way about him myself. And then that becomes the natural response in those situations. It becomes less about like, oh, how am I going to have the right answer? And more of just the outpouring of my dependence and delight on Jesus is, hey, man, that's a really good question. But do you know about this Jesus? Like, right. what do you really know about him? Because he's amazing. Like, is like if yeah. that I'm not going to respond that way if I don't actually feel that way. And so I need. That's when we talk about needing to put that effort in because we're not going to drift toward that sort of delight wow. in Christ. Putting the effort into that, and and we want to help you guys do that. We want to be doing that more uh, in in our own hearts and lives, and we want to be helping you, uh, our, our listeners, to be able to do that as well. So if there's any help that we can offer uh we we want to give it so please reach out to us uh send us an email you can reach out to us at at connect at faithpestigo.com you can find us on our website faithpestigo.com you can grab us on a sunday uh after service um we 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 are here to help one another like we're doing that with each other as as staff and as pastors and, and we're here to help uh, you as well grow in your delight in and dependence on our Jesus. And to continue the aviation model, like we're going to like, as he touches down and then takes right back Bounces off, like right that, back back up. just the, my closing thought, one more thought, because I'm really just loving this metaphor of uh, turbulence and the, you know, no pilot, what you were just saying about pointing to the who and saying like, but have you heard how great this Jesus is? I mean, think about being in that situation and there's chaos in a plane and there's like, everyone's terrified and rightly so because you're out of control and someone steps forward. If whatever that person determines to do, if you're questioning it, the, the answer that's going to be comforting to you is not somebody saying like, well, let me actually show you how the physics of this works. Like, so the reason right. they're diving here is because of this, like X, Y, like all this stuff that right. is not going to be comforting. What is no. going to be most comforting that moment is if somebody knows that pilot and be like that, that is Pete Mitchell and Pete Mitchell has, <laughs> they call him Maverick and he <laughs> is the greatest pilot the world has ever known. Like that's, right. that's what's going to be yes. comforting that's what's going to make somebody like trust and at the end of the day that is what we're called to do is trust in him and we need to do that together so yes now that pilot is landing the plane 
Thanks for listening. Until next time, grace and peace. Peace.